Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckner, Senior Pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We would also love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045. We also have Sunday school classes for all ages that begin at 945, and our Spanish service begins at 9 a.m. There are also various other activities and Bible studies that you can be involved in throughout the week, including youth group and children's quizzing. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. We have something for everyone to encounter God with people just like you desiring to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. I do thank you for tuning into our podcast. This week's episode uh, concludes our series from the We Are Family entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? It finishes up the book of 1 John chapters 4 and 5, and we talk about how God's love compels us to act in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. Once again, thank you for tuning in and listening. This continues to be a little bit weird and a little bit different um, as we um, as we figure out what it means and, and what it looks like to um, to have church together in this way. So um, I'm so glad that you have, have tuned in and are watching, and um, I invite you to to interact with each other. If you're watching on Facebook, um, make some comments and and. Let people know that you're there, that you're with each other, praying for one another. Um, we need to be creative a bit in how we're how we're doing this and how we're staying connected. So uh, I pray that that's been something that you've experienced uh, from others this week. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue and actually finish up our last part of this series that we've been going through. Uh, the series we've entitled is We Are Family. And it's been based out of the book of, of 1 John. And we've walked through this process of how John has been reaching out and, and talking to this church, trying to encourage them, trying to help them uh, understand and bring them back to the things that they first knew and discovered about Jesus. What first drew them to this knowledge of who Jesus is and why that was such a, a great thing for him. So he's walked through this process with them. This morning, we're going to focus on the last two chapters, chapter four and chapter five. And we have a few things that I just want to highlight out of those, those two chapters. So John's conclusion of this letter, again, is to this fractured church. And it's this command to love one another because of what they know and in response to God's love for them. He's, again, tried to bring them back to what they first understood about who Jesus is, this, the saving grace, the, the identity of, of who Jesus is and the identity of who we are as a result of being uh, in relationship with God. And here in the last couple chapters, John is summarizing what they've been taught. And, and he does this with, with kind of three statements. God's love for them is lived out in their lives, and, it, and they're being convinced that Jesus came in the flesh. And in chapter 4, we see that that being convinced of who Jesus is, that Jesus came in the flesh, that he was the Son of God, was the first identifying mark of being a follower of Jesus. Uh, identifying that, 
that Jesus was sent as God's son to redeem them from their sin. And then the command that God gives all of us and gave this church in particular uh, in response to knowing Jesus, their response is to love one another. So during this, this whole last part of this, this book, that's the summation of, of John's response or John's letter to this church is to come back to the things of recognizing who Jesus is and as a result of that love, turning around and loving one another. Um, let's start here in 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And, and again, this is kind of this opening part of what John's trying to get uh, this body of believers to understand. John 1, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It says, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So John is, is helping this body of believers to understand that the identifying mark of a follower of Jesus is who they say Jesus is. They need to, to understand that that because of Jesus being able to, to come as God's Son in the flesh to redeem them from their sin is the true mark. There were a lot of teachers that were saying that Jesus was not in the flesh, that Jesus was not really um, God's Son. So there's all these false teachings. And so John is establishing, man, this is how you can know that you can know that you can know is who they say Jesus is. John also establishes that the belief that if he is anything less than God's Son, that if Jesus is anything less than God's Son, who came in the flesh to die for our sins, they are not a believer no matter what they claim God has told them. So again, it's understanding that these teachers, that these people who were, who were giving this false teaching are saying anything less than what John has now established, they're a liar. They're an antichrist. They're someone who's in this, this opposite side of where they are. And as we've learned through much of this, this book of 1 John, is that John uses these stark contrasts to really drive home this point. So they're on one side or the other. They, they can't be in the middle. And I think that as we look at this and consider it in the world that, that we live in today, we can use these same tests. We can see that what people say they believe about God. We can use this to, to understand what Christians or other teachers are saying about what God is telling them. And we need to make sure that, that we understand what they're saying about who Jesus is. If they can come down to that point that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Savior, He is the Son of God then maybe what they say has some, some validity. We take that and balance it out with Scripture. What does Scripture say about it? So, so this is very useful for us today. Um, here in, in chapter 2, verse 19 of, of 1 John, he says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. This was another way that they could tell who these, who the real followers of Jesus were, were in how they um, took care of the body and, and what their um, commitment was to. In chapter 3, 23, it reveals what they should believe and how they should obey. And it says, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, 
and to love one another as he commanded us. So another way that we can tell is what they believe and what they, how they obey. Chapter 3, verse 24 also shows us that obedience should be a fruit of their lifestyle. It says, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. Obedience is our response to God's love experienced in our life. When we think about love and when we think about how, how we try to understand it and how we try to apply it, um, we know that it's a, a pretty broad concept. I, I found a, a video here a few weeks back and it was these, this illustrator, this guy that, that drew these, these pictures, kind of cartoons, and they made this video of this, this guy that interviewed these little kids. And, and he was asking them questions about what love is and what does it look like. Um, so love is this broad concept. And, and as he was uh, interviewing these kids, he kind of discovered that kids maybe have a far deeper understanding than maybe we give them credit for. In this video, there were several youngsters that, that were interviewed. Um, and one of them, in the opening scene, he asked these the illustrator asked these kids a few beginning questions about love. Have you ever been in love? He asked. While the majority of responses were hard and fast no's, one girl sweetly said, I go to school every day with lots of people I love. So she had this, this really great kind of understanding of, of a community and, and the people that she loved around her. Uh, the kids also asked the, the illustrator about his love life. Uh, the illustrator admits he's been in love in the past, and then it feels like tingly butterflies, and he kind of drew that for him. Um, things were off to a pretty straightforward start, and once the, he began drawing, uh, one little girl tells, tells him that her idea of love is a hug. Another less enthused young boy, his first reaction is an emoji with a disgusted face, and you probably are familiar with maybe what that one looks like. Though one of the kids loudly proclaimed, I love burgers and fries, he later confessed to being scared of love. Uh, the illustrator assured him the feeling was nothing to be afraid of. He remained firm in his view that love indeed is very scary. Of course, kids don't always have the vocabulary to express what they're thinking. Uh, the illustrator is confused when a girl tells him that Q-tip helps people fall in love. And pretty confused about that, he asked him, asked her to describe it, after she brings up the use of a bow and arrow, does he realize that she's talking about Cuba? In one of the clip's deeper moments, the illustrator asked one of the kids what food love would look like, or what food love would be, to which the boy responds, a lollipop with a scorpion inside. And perhaps that kid was just trying to be funny, but for many, I think he hit the nail on the head. But as we try to express and understand God's love and how we respond to him and how we use it to respond to others, we need to be able to have experienced it. Um, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. When we think of love, we usually think of it and even present it as a feeling. But throughout scripture, we see that it's much more than a feeling. We see through scripture that love is a choice. Love is an action. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Thinking of love as a choice um, in some ways can be really freeing because I oftentimes do not feel love towards people that, that are difficult to love, that, that we struggle to have patience with. Um, I don't feel love sometimes towards people who say things that, that I disagree with or who, have, who, who do things that, that may hurt me or hurt others. But here in 1 Corinthians, Paul encourages us. In fact, he, he compels us to understand that this love is a choice and how it is not self-seeking, but how it seeks to serve one another. So we also see within the same passage that love is an action. It, it has legs to it. It goes places. It does things. It has hands in the way that we serve one another. So, so we see here that love is more than just a feeling. It's a choice. It's an action. Last week in 1 John chapter 3, we talked about how love is our identity. 1 John 3, 1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And I love that, that identity of who we are supposed to be inside of God's love. The identity that we have apart from God's love um, is pretty selfish. And it's pretty self-centered and self-seeking and has an agenda and seeks to do things that do not benefit others. But here in John, 1 John 3, it talks about this identity of who we are inside of God and God's love for us. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about this Greek word of meno. And meno, we understood, was this to abide, to live with, to be intertwined with. And last week, we talked about how truth, God's truth, should intertwine our lives, and we should be intertwined with it so that we are, are so, so close to the Father. Well, here, again, that word and that that essence of this comes up again in 1 John 4, 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So this intertwining, this abiding comes through here in this chapter, in this, in this particular verse. This intertwining of ourself with God, we should not be able to, people should not be able to distinguish ourself from God. We should be so... Uh, intertwined in God's love that the way that we live, the way that we talk, the way that we serve and act um, should so represent God and the characteristics of who God is. His love should be at home within us. That means it should reside within us, should be a part of who we are. 
We also understand that the Father is a source of love, and he modeled this through his son Jesus. So we see through, through the Gospels how Jesus modeled this through his earthly ministry of this, of this loving one another. He reached out to, to the outcasts. I can think of, you even start with his disciples, the way that he reached out to them. His disciples were, were considered outcasts of society. Being a fisherman was not a, a job of, of high esteem. In fact, it was one of, of pretty low esteem. And, and these were people that tend to be uh, ones that rabbis rejected as disciples. And so here Jesus seeks the disciples out. He seeks them to be a part of him and his ministry. So he reaches out to the outcasts, his disciples, the unclean. We see through scripture where he interacts with the lepers, uh, where he interacts with um, tax collectors, prostitutes, all of these people that, that society has, has cast out, and he sought them out. So Jesus modeled the Father's love in the way that he sought out people. We see it modeled in the way that he comforts those that need it, the way that he comforts the brokenhearted. We, we see in, in the Gospels where Jesus uh, comforts Mary and Martha, uh, Lazarus' sisters, um, in their extreme loss. He was able to come alongside and comfort them and point them to the hope that can be found in him. We see him comfort even the when we look at the woman that, that was to be stoned because she was caught, caught in the act of adultery. And he comforts her. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't uh, heap more uh, guilt upon her, but he gives her the hope that can be found through this relationship in Jesus. We see the way that Jesus exemplified love in the way that he healed and comforted the sick and the diseased. Scripture is full of that. There were crowds that, that pressed in hard to him, trying to get him to heal them for these hard things that they experienced through, through life. The blind, the lepers, uh, the woman that was bleeding. All of these people sought Jesus, and he brought what they needed. More importantly, or even intertwined with all of these things, Jesus brought, brought hope. He brought this experience of what hope can do to a person's life. This hope that can be found in the love of who the Father is. So I love this, how, how God exemplified his love for us through the life and ministry of Jesus. To also understand and be able to love, we must understand the role of the Holy Spirit. We see here through Scripture that, that the Holy Spirit now lives within us. The Holy Spirit helps us to, to discern truth. It helps us to, to understand what God's Word is and who God is. Um, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to love one another. We can't love people without the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also compels us to be more like Christ. So as we understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, Inside of the relationship of, of Jesus, we now have this ability and this capacity to love far beyond what we have been able to on our own strength. Um, we can, it wouldn't be too difficult for us to look back to our life before Jesus and see the way that I know in my life, the way I struggled to love others, the way I struggled to live a life that showed that Jesus was living in me. And, and this is our call now. John is, is giving us this call to live this life, this life of love, 
assured of who we are inside of Jesus. So God's love at work in our lives should compel us to choose to love and move us to action. We can only love with a pure love because God first loved us. No agenda, no selfishness. We can be out in our community, and I, and I love how I've seen this on the community Facebook uh, group pages, where people are looking to, to help and serve one another. And I'm not calling into question anybody's motives or anything like that. People do good things. But I think if we're honest, many times we will um, love others because of, of something maybe we hope to get in return or the way that we may look to other people. We have an agenda. We have this selfishness as a part of, of why we do some of these things. But with the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit and this and it's God's love um, living inside of us, we can live and love others with this pure love, this one that doesn't have an agenda, that does not respond in selfishness. We are able to love others out of the overflow of God's love in our lives. It's easy for us to be doing things and responding to things around us um, to a point. When we start um, losing connection with, with the Father, when we start um, doing things out of um, our own strength, this love begins to fall empty. Our actions begin to fall empty. But if we are honestly seeking as we go out and, and love our own church body, and the community around us, if we are loving others out of the overflow of God's love in our life, that is a picture of the gospel. That's a picture of what God desires to do through each and every one of us. And so I would encourage you, I'd implore you to be connected to God daily through prayer, through reading of his word, through fellowship with one another. I know that that's a little hard right now, but we can do this even virtually where we're checking in on one another, calling and, and praying for each other. And if we're doing that out of the overflow of God's love in our life, then God's name will be lifted high. God will be blessed. We all want to live in a community that follows the love thy neighbor rule, but few want to take our time to make the effort to be that loving neighbor. We all want someone to visit us if we are shut in or ill, but do we make the time to do the same for others we know? when they are experiencing the same things? Are we helping by serving their needs or do we find ourselves criticizing them for why they're even there? We want to share in a loving family environment, but do we show that love to our family by serving them? A woman who cheerfully serves her husband, a husband who's unafraid to be seen washing a dish or two, a busy person who takes time to sit with the sick, the elderly, or the lonely, all show love and selflessness that is rare in today's world. John Gardner once said, when people are serving, life is no longer meaningless. Does your life ever feel meaningless? Do you ever catch yourself thinking, what's the point? Uh, this person here shared that a wise friend shared over lunch one time that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. How often we serve expecting nothing in return is a clear reflection of how much we love. You know that you have truly served when you walk away afterwards feeling like you were the one that was that received. 
the challenge here is that we, it's easy for us to feel um, pretty self-absorbed in our needs and in the world around us. It's easy for us to kind of take on this, this pity of why aren't people reaching out to me? Why aren't people talking to me? Why aren't people um, checking in on me and asking me how I am? But if we are truly um, exhibiting God's love in our life, then we are the ones that are going out and seeking to serve one another. That we need to be the ones to model Jesus' love, as, as we just talked about here. To do any of this, to, to love the way that Jesus did, to, to be connected with the experience of the Holy Spirit, to do any of this, we have to experience God's own love for us. We have to experience and accept God's grace and his love and his mercy. More importantly, we need to ex experience God's forgiveness for us. Until we do that, being able to take this next step of loving beyond ourselves is not really possible. To kind of have a thermometer or a gauge of how we're doing in this area of loving one another, the fruit of love in our lives, lived in obedience to the command to love one another, needs to take shape. We can ask these questions of ourselves, how are the quality of our relationships? As much as it depends on us, how are the quality of our relationships? The quality of our relationships is a thermometer of our relationship with God. Do you serve others? Do you respond in obedience to God's prompting and the Holy Spirit's leading? Is it our response, is it your response to God's love in the way that you interact with others? Our attitude and our heart needs to be one of not begrudgingly obeying God. It needs to not be one that's selfish and self-centered, but it needs to be one that seeks to honor and glorify God in all ways, to, to be a part of what he's doing, to join him in how he seeks to love the community around us. So as we conclude this week's um, series, We Are Family, and conclude our, our study of 1 John, um, we need to be clear on some things. And I'm going to invite our, my girls to, to be ready to come on up. We're going to close in our last song. But thinking back to what we've experienced over these last few weeks and what we've learned and studied is John wanted us to understand what it means to truly love God, to have this identity in Jesus, and to be able to take that and translate it in how we love others around us. So I hope that that's your prayer this week. That, that you are able to evaluate and take the temperature of your relationship with God. To take the temperature of, of your relationship with others. That is what I'm doing coming from a place where I seek to truly love God with everything that's within me. And be able to serve those around me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the way that you first loved us, for the way that you um, sought us, and the way that you 
exhibited your love to us. Father, I pray that as we've gone through this passage and, and this book, that you really help us to understand that you love us fully, and that inside that identity, we're to love others the way that you loved us, to seek to serve, to desire to be a blessing to those around us. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to have our eyes open, to look for opportunities, to be able to love in the way that you modeled for us. So, God, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your word. And we pray, God, that you would um, bless us as we um, close our time together. Father, we ask these things in your name. Amen.